What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. For the fans, by the fans, this is the Non-League Football Show, and I'm Tim Fuel, back with the trials and tribulations of the Non-League Football World. Joining me this week on our most northerly of shows this season is our very own favourite northerner, the voice of FC United Radio, and we're of some of the snazziest tailored affairs in non-league. It's Swampy. Good evening, Swampy. Yeah, good evening, Tim. Good evening, listeners. And it's good to have you back. Well, you, 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 were, you were poorly last week, but you're on the mend? Yeah, yeah, on the mend. Uh, it's been uh, trials and tribulations. It always seems to happen around uh, a Thursday, unfortunately, uh, over the recent months. So, uh, hopefully, back fighting fit now and raring to go to the end of the season. That reminds me of my school days. A Thursday afternoon, if the, if there was thunder in the air, there was always a fight. I went to a boys' school, and there, you know, th- Thursday afternoon, uh, <laughs> there, there was always that. Was, if it was going to kick off, it'd be Thursday afternoon. Maybe we, maybe we should have more football on a Thursday, Thursday evening. Thursday evening football. Be a bit, bit, bit oh, more. Oh, goodness gracious! A, a fierce affair. We, 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 we. I don't know. We, we might, might need more of that VAR or whatever it is. You know. <laughs> anyway, it, it's it's not been the uh, you know the. the it, it's been quite a depressing week, really. It, it's cold. It's wet. And some, some people have had snow. Some postponements. And, uh, and the world of non-league uh, all appears to be uh, full of doom and gloom. We'll, we'll get to Chester and Hartlepool later. But but this week's one. Be, uh, since last week's recording, we've we've heard of uh, National League Macclesfield staff. They they were paid late due to an error uh, that the majority shareholder Amar Al Adi uh, he did admit that it was his fault. But uh, you know they were paid late. There was big hoo ha about that. Then we've seen the in the interview in Premier uh, Dulwich Hamlet's issues with their land. They've hit a new turn when there was a communication mix-up with their stadium operator. That, that was the official official line. And that meant a postponement for their London Senior Cup match uh, late on with, with uh, Haribara. That's been moved to, I think, 20th of February now. Um, and in the National North, the, the York City Supporters Trust AGM, they heard club auditor Steve Kilmartin insist that he believes the club will go out of business if the trust members voted against any future proposal to relinquish all their shares to Chairman Jason McGill. Uh, and then back in the National League, you've got Dagenham and Redbridge issuing a club statement that consultants have been engaged to, to market the club for sale following Glenn Hopkin Consortium's uh, takeover of the football club. But despite, I think, £1.3 million uh, being raised by that takeover, the same hasn't been enough to cover losses of last season and up to the turn of the year. And Mr Hopkins said from 2018 now, he's no longer going to fund that shortfall. So that means that the club, you know, up, 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 well, moving up the creek, certainly, and, and their club statement has read... Uh, 
obviously caused some problems and adjustments in our playing squad have already taken place with some further player releases almost certain to occur over the coming weeks however whilst the club has undoubtedly some serious problems and very quickly requires a new purchaser it do does not have large amounts of debt so i mean that's a that's a good <laughs> a good sign i suppose that they're not uh, uh, debt up to their eyeballs like some of the clubs that we're hearing about but we're already you know following all of those stories up and and there's even more to follow up as well which is a bit disconcerting but Swampy, perhaps it's a sign that you know football clubs can't just be run as football clubs. You know, passion isn't enough to run a club. Uh, well, well, passion certainly isn't enough, isn't enough just to run a football club. But there are many football clubs that are uh, successful. Uh, they uh, their business plans are good business plans, and uh, you know, be it uh, um, in the very lower leagues and non-league football, or indeed uh, the the top end. Uh, there's many, many clubs. I think in 2014-15 season in the national league. The vast majority of those uh, clubs finished uh, in small profit uh, and a couple with a small loss, you know. So uh, it can be done. I mean, if you look at Wrexham and when they became, uh, you know, fan-owned, uh, they were had huge debts. They turned that around and they're, they're now a club that are doing well. I mean, York City, obviously, uh, uh, a 25% stake they have in in the football club. Um, and FSF and the supporters, supporters uh, direct, I think, uh, have been up and spoken to them, and I think they're quite right in saying that uh, before they do anything, perhaps um, before you give fifty thousand pound away a year, as they have been doing, is you need to look at the uh, um, the idea of what's happening going forward. You don't give away some money without having a business plan. You know, you don't go to the bank, do you, and uh, ask for a loan without uh, having a business plan in place. So there are a lot of problems in football. We know that there are clubs that are aiming and trying to get to, to the promised land, so to speak, and spending money but there is the, the clubs can be successful and also be financially viable i think uh, we've got to find that balance uh, somewhere uh, yeah and, i mean you've got great experience of this the, the fan ownership uh, model and, and and as you say that there is a lot of help out there um unlike you know lots of other issues that we have with football at this level for actually running the club and you know fans getting involved, there's, there is a lot of help out there if people are prepared to go and help, uh, go and ask. Yeah, I mean, the, the, more and more help is available. You know, there are institutions and bodies uh, that can give good advice. And you know, football clubs such as SC United in the past, and have been around and spoken to many of the clubs. ASC Wimbledon the same. You know, they were the club that advised FC United of Manchester. Uh, but there are many other clubs out there that have got good experience, and you know. I think what you need to do is, if you are going or having problems, is there's got to be openness, accountability. I mean, FC United, don't forget, a few years ago, we're in a very, very uh, precarious position uh, where, again, financially, we had some problems. Uh, it, it was pretty down to transparency and a few of the bits and bobs. And uh, once we knew exactly the full extent of everything, it could be dealt with. Uh, until you know the extent that you're dealing with with any football club, it's very hard to move forward. But as you rightly say, there are a lot of a lot of bodies out there that can help nowadays. Um, and the one thing that supporters always want to do is make sure that that football club survives. Um, and, and, and really, we should be looking at, rather than survival, we should be looking at thriving uh, and community-based football clubs, uh, more, more supporters involved, because supporters can, uh, certainly as far as I'm concerned, uh, make a football club successful. Um, but as I say, there's lots of help out there, um, so let's let's utilise it. Yeah, and a, a large number of uh, those clubs that we we mentioned there, uh, ex-football league clubs, in, in, you know, 
uh, including you know some of those like Dagenham and Redbridge have always been renowned as being one of the more financially cautious clubs. You know, both in non-league and when they went into the football league. So, do you think uh, you know as much as we love the magic of two up, two down? Is that potentially a problem, this this difference between Football League and, and non-league? You know, often you see a club going from non-league into the Football League and, and they, they have a good couple of seasons at least. But it's the clubs that come down, they they always find it much more difficult. Yeah, yeah, I, I think uh, it, it's, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a couple of uh, ideas and thought processes that I've had over, over the years uh, uh, following uh, non-league football. And if you look at the conference now, uh, many, many of the clubs within the conference themselves are full-time. Uh, the step-up uh, can be one that uh, you can thrive upon, but at some stage you find a lot of these clubs coming back down. Um, parachute payments and so on and so forth are there initially, but we've seen many a great club and a very famous name you know, either disappearing completely or becoming a Phoenix club or, or languishing, let's say, in lower leagues. Um, for me, I would uh, disband uh, League Two and make it a north and south division. Uh, I would uh, basically make uh, the, uh, the the conference itself, or the National League, I should say, um, those northern teams put into League 2 north, and those southern teams into League 2 south. And I would make the National League uh, uh, north and south the feeder club into uh, the into League 2. Um, that would give club stability. Uh, financially, we talked, to, didn't we, uh, a couple of weeks ago to the chairman of uh, Morpeth Town, about travelling costs and uh, uh, how how it was a, such a burden on a football club, and let's not forget, I think it was a uh, about nineteen was it nineteen fifty nine maybe nineteen sixty when we had regional football leagues, um, and for me that is a good way of going forward. Also, you heard me talk a couple of weeks ago about maybe uh, salary capping, which may be something that you have to look at. Maybe also. Uh, um, very stores business plans that you know basically everyone have to work to and budgets are set in a certain place. But uh, I think the two up two down for me going from the conference into the football league because everyone seems to think that the promised land is in the football league. Um, and for some clubs, you know, that were ex ex league clubs, I can understand because their supporters were used to football league um, games week in week out. But I think what we've spoken about on many occasions over the years, Tim, is that. Uh, uh, when clubs do come down, they have to embrace where they are because if they don't, they find it very, very tough and difficult. And, and if they do embrace it, then there is an opportunity to go back up. But there are clubs, the likes of Workington, the likes of Bradford Park Avenue. Now, these are ex-league football clubs, Halifax, uh, more recent, in more recent times. But Bradford Park Avenue were a league club until 1974. You've got you know, uh, many other clubs in our division that have been league clubs in the past, uh, are now semi-professional and well-established semi-professional clubs. Um, and those clubs that come down, going straight back up always isn't the answer because it's a very difficult thing to do. And finances, as we say, are, are vastly important. I mean, there's lots of things we can do, and hopefully, maybe football can change for the better going forward. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting what you said about you know uh, fan-owned clubs and when FC United were in, started up and getting advice from other clubs. That's one thing that, we, that doesn't seem to happen, does it? There's, there's not the, you know, in any other profession, you, every other month you get an, an email saying, do you want to come to this conference, you know, rub shoulders with everybody else. In the world of football, there's a, there's a nice little uh, unit where, you know, we, I, I can pick the phone up to various people and, and have a call. But you, you, other than when you go to a, to a game where you meet that, that club's officials there, there's not many opportunities to meet and learn off of other clubs, is there? You, you know, there's it, a no, lot of silence. 
There, there is a lot of stuff, but there are also are some very, you know, some very, very forward-thinking football uh, leagues. I mean, the Northern Premier League uh, are one of those that invite all 68 uh, members of the uh, to different functions. Uh, they they work as a, they work as a big group, as a big unit, um, and that's been very much the benefit of the Northern Premier Division. Uh, you know, and if other clubs embrace, other leagues embrace that, and I'm sure certain do. But you also you could look at maybe that model of maybe going to your local. You know, league club, but we know league clubs themselves are, in, uh, you know, are, are chasing the money, aren't they? So sometimes their models aren't particularly good. You know, the owners uh, of football clubs that they want to, you know, spill the beans on how the football club can survive and work going forward. It would be nice, as you rightly say, to have these seminars and sit down and discuss uh, the financial side of the of, of football opposed to the playing side, because you can get, as you, as we all know, you can get lots of uh, help. On the uh, on the footballing side of things, but when it comes to the finances and the the support mechanisms in place, um, you know that needs to be there at all times, rather than the bucket. You know the bucket collections, which ordinarily mean if you've got a bucket collection out outside your football ground, you're imminently about to uh, to go under. Yeah, maybe we should just sell specialist non-league football buckets. We could. Uh... <laughs> yeah. It's probably a market there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's lots of ideas. Hopefully, we can get some of them off the off the ground. Particularly over the summer, we've got a bit of time on our hands. As always, we've always got time on our hands. Us too. Um, but anyway, moving on. There's been, uh, you know, in the doom and gloom week that we've we've had. There's been more managerial changes this week as as well. Buxton have parted company with Ross McIntosh after six years with the club. They're they're, they're mid table in the Northern Premier now. Um, Andy Morrell has gone from Tamworth. Uh, just two wins in twelve in the National North, and, and they're seven points off the playoffs in the same division. Gainsborough Trinity, their management team, Dave Fairclough, Terry Fleming have gone, and the club are just one point above the relegation spot. So it's it's difficult to keep up, Swampy. Is remembering who's where and when? Yeah, lots of comings and goings. It's that time of the year, isn't it? That certain managers uh, uh, lose their jobs based upon uh, the possibility of being relegated. Those are chair, chair, people in charge of football clubs who are thinking of maybe promotion, so they might need an extra push. I mean, uh, to lose the likes of uh, you know uh, Mackintosh, you mean he's a second. Uh, I think it's the second longest serving uh, manager at uh, at Buxton. Admittedly, they're not had a brilliant season this season, but he's a very, very good manager. They've got plans, I think, for next season for a four, three or four G pitch. I thought he would have been perfect fit for them because there'd be more revenue coming into the football club that they could possibly utilise. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Andy Morell again, a great name in, in, in the non league circuit. Uh, two wins in twelve, uh, and you know, it's it, at this moment in time. Um, every week, you know, someone's either stepping in or stepping out or uh, being reinstated. It's uh, what well, is the nature of football, unfortunately. It's such a fickle business uh, that we're in, even even in the semi-pro game. Um, then that's uh, you know, it's not a surprise really. But uh, when it all comes in one big week, like we are talking at this moment in time, it's sort of like it, it sounds like a tidal wave. But over the season, you know, uh, it levels itself out, I suppose. Well, I'm sure. That, I'm sure there's plenty more to uh, to come in and fill those posts as well. Um, lots of other news besides well, but uh, yeah, for, for, for time issues. Um, Cleethorpes Town they've they've been deducted uh, twelve points in the Northern League uh, First Division South. Uh, uh, they uh, fielded an illegible player, a loan player, not signed correctly. He then played seven fixtures, and that drops the club out of the automatic promotion spots and into the tight playoffs. But with uh, with games in hand to try and get back up into that spot, you know, I've always said that the football secretary. Probably the the most difficult job and uh, 
uh, most unsung hero award should, should should go to secretary. So uh, um, yeah. I'm not sure what's gone on there. It, it is so complicated to sign players and, and get things right. And every now and then you are going to drop one of those balls. I, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I think the one of the, the one of the worst ones is the international clearance, isn't it? Like you know, from Wales, uh, you get that a lot of the time, don't you? There was the international clearance that you thought we're still using. I mean, it's still using you know the antiquated fax uh, for the information to come through nowadays. Uh, yeah, it's, and, and, it's only on a club's website that you actually ever see a fax number nowadays, isn't it? Yeah, it is indeed. And it's one of those, isn't it, where, you know, uh, probably done in all innocence, well, certainly would have done in all innocence, uh, seven games and 12 points deducted. Um, I suppose they'd be thankful that uh, they're not in a rele- relegation battle and uh, that then points may have taken in form of the division. They've still got a chance, but as you say, uh, the rules are there and unfortunately, uh, sometimes a slight oversight or not realising what's happened. Uh, football clubs are punished uh, very, very severely, it would seem. Hmm. Um, one other thing, if you, if you didn't see uh, Sutton Manager's uh, Paul Doswell's Twitter account this week, it's well worth a look to. Uh, various comments from Dos on the realistic possibility of Sutton uh, getting promotion into the Football League and then having to rip up their new 3G pitch to gain that promotion. And again, we'll be doing more on that on the, in, the, in the coming weeks. But um, it, yeah, there's so, so much going on. We, we could have a 24-hour rolling news channel. I'm not sure people would want to wake up to me at three in the morning, but hey-ho. Yeah, I think I think, I think most, of, most people have already zoned out of this show already. Within 20 minutes. So 20, 24 hours, I'm not quite sure about. But just going back to that, you know, the 3G pitch situation. I mean, if 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 the national if national teams can play international games on their qualifying games for World Cups, why on earth can't good quality 3G, 4G generation pitches now be used in the uh, in the football league at that level? You know, where we have that yo-yo up and down, down and up. Uh, it's absolutely ridiculous because pro clubs are using them to train on week in week out, and uh, the and the quality nowadays is not as it used to be. Um, and you know, financially, the implication there uh, for for Sutton could be huge because if they don't have another training pitch, all the money that they'll be generating in regards to uh, using community clubs and and kids and so on and so forth on there, they're going to lose that revenue because you can't a grounds person is going to allow you to to do all that seven days a week on on a normal football pitch. Yeah, and the the irony being that the uh, the football league may well decide. And, and change their rules, but that'll be uh, in the summer, and that'll be too late for for Sutton to yeah. have made that decision. <laughs> it's 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 a crazy one, really. Common sense should take place, really. I think you should be said, look, you know, if you're being promoted from the football from the from the um, from the national league into the football league, you've got a season grace. You can play on a three G pitch, uh, and then at the end of that, you know, if you if you know you're staying up, you can if the if the rule they want to keep the rule, you can't use them. You rip it up and you put a grass pitch in. But it, you know, if they get relegated, it's it's it, it, it's it's absolutely pointless. Okay, so to our first story about clubs in crisis this week, we, we've reported in recent shows about the issues facing the fan-run club Chester FC. Plenty of fundraising, plenty of fan engagement, but what exactly is the situation there? Back on the board to try and steady the ship, Jeff Banks, who I hope joins us on the line now, is here to tell us some more. Good evening, Jeff. Good evening, Tim. You okay? I'm good. Now, you were part of establishing the new club back in, what, 2010? And then you stepped down after, I think, four years on the board, then five years as media man to, to spend time with your, your young family. Now, as far as I'm aware, your family's still young, but your club needs you again rather desperately. 
Well, yeah, the family's certainly still young and they, they still have to come first, obviously. Um, but yeah, the, the situation um, at the club, um, you know, I think a few mistakes have been made. Um, and I think, you know, it's time for everybody to, to pull together. And, and, a, and a few of ourselves who were on the original board thought that we could actually help and add value um, to the football club again. And, and that's why we've we've uh, all signed up for it again. So hopefully, you know, we can help help put things right. Can you, in a nutshell, what, what's the position short-term for the club at Chester at the moment? Okay, so the, the, the short-term position, basically the club needed to find £50,000 um, in the short-term because the uh, the main issue with the club was the cash flow. Um, so if, if that money wasn't found, then potentially the club could end up having no cash by the end of March um, or potentially sooner. So the, the immediate concern was to obviously raise this this fifty thousand um, pounds, you know, as fast as we can by um, by way of you know donations, but also, you know, trying to put on some fundraising events um, and basically doing anything we can just to you know support the club we love. Um, you know, it's a completely different situation to back in in two thousand and nine when, you know, we were up against sort of one family who was very difficult to deal with, but everybody, you know. It, knows the situation at Chester we're a fan-owned football club now and as I say it's about putting um, you know putting things right um, following the mistakes that have been made but I think in all honesty um, you know the board that were there previously and some are still there now they're all Chester fans it's been a very steep learning curve for everybody you know and everybody just wants to do what was right for their club but obviously we've just found ourselves in a situation now that we just need to um, you know to correct as soon as possible. And I mean, you've been there before, and and you, you, as you say, you know, everybody's a fan. No, nobody you know, makes mistakes on purpose, and and sort of. of a, but it's it's not easy being involved in in a in a football club, is it? So it it must have been not a difficult decision, I suppose, because it is your club, and you'll do anything to 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 help save it. But it it's not um not the simplest of decisions just to say yeah okay I'll step up and I'll, I'll help out again because you you never really know um what's going to come out of the the cupboard no it it was difficult um you know a lot of sort of conversations have been had and you know trying to establish you know what went wrong and and how to to fix it um but also i think that the club needed a little bit of guidance again um to take it forward and, you know, thankfully, we've we've been able to, I mean, let's put it this way, eight years ago, nine years ago, you know, we, we had a we had to sell the dream um, to the supporters, um, you know, in a similar way that FC United have obviously had to do. Um, and they got a great backing, you know, from the start. And, you know, they helped us as well when we were starting out, too. So I think in terms of the bigger footballing world, the football family comes together at times like this. And certainly the, the Chester FC family has come together and, you know, we feel much, much stronger. Um, there was a, you know, a, a good, um, honest meeting a couple of weeks ago where all this did, you know, come out for the fans to actually hear and see for themselves. Um, but from that moment, you know, from the end of that meeting, it was optimism that we could actually turn things around. You know, what we've seen the, the City Fans United membership, you know, increase by 50% just in the in the last 10 days alone which is unbelievable. Um, but that's what we need to do now. We need to group together, raise the money, and then even if we get that £50,000, which we're all very confident we will, then we need then to build up the the reserves because that's that's what's been eaten into. Um, you know, and a football club at our level, being fan-owned, there's no sugar daddy. You know, it's down to us to um, to raise the money to take it forward and, and exist. Um, and that's that's the next step, basically. Swampy. 
Yeah, well, Jeff, uh, good evening to you. Um, good evening. Not circumstances we want to be talking about, but we're talking about you know, fan ownership uh, being very, very positive. Uh, um, mm. As a football club, obviously, Chester of, um, you know, back in 2010, I remember uh, coming to, to, to Gig Lane supporters and uh, that rally that was had and the amount yep. of work that was done and, and you galvanised and all the people of Chester coming together and, uh, and you know, uh, it's been, a, it's been a, a fantastic rise from, uh, you know, where you started again. Um, now, in the, the National League, do you think perhaps this season it's been maybe a, just a step too far or a step too slightly too quickly for the football club? The fan ownership model we know works, um, but has it been a situation where we're chasing that league, league, league status again, obviously, as an ex-league club, supporters want to be there, and perhaps sometimes uh, you're reaching for the stars before uh, really you know, you've got everything in place to, to get there? I think there's a certain element in that, absolutely. I mean, it's everybody's dream to to become, you know, a football league club again. You know, um, obviously there's been trouble at Chester for, you know, the best part of the last 25, 30 years, which the fans have had to endure. But um, certainly losing the football league status, you know, it was difficult to take. And I think we all want to get back there. I think the, the early years when we reformed, we made so many friends along the way. Um, and it was great, you know, going to the grounds um, that we visited, including, you know, Gig Lane when we played there. I, I still remember that day, you know, when the parade was going around the pitch um, and there was so much of a, an emphasis on the youth and the local community. And that's exactly what we wanted to bring you know, to Chester. Um, and I think, may, I think maybe, you know, along the way, obviously, we've, we've been aiming high to try and get through the leagues. Um, and I think, you know, it was always going to be a difficult battle from the conference when, when we sort of got back into or the National League, as it is, obviously. Um, I think it was always going to be a diff- different battle then because you, you come again, come up against clubs that are all of a sudden owned by, you know, generous benefactors, if you like, for want of a better phrase. Um, and you've got a different kind of challenge on your hands there. I think what we, what we hoped would happen, that we would stabilise as a club in, in the National League, we obviously had a couple of skirmishes, you know, with relegation. Um, obviously, we saw Hereford, unfortunately, you know, um, fold at the time, um, which did give us a reprieve. Um, but, you know, obviously, genuinely at that time, you know, we felt we were doing things the right way and kind of deserved that reprieve, really. Um, but, you know, they've struggled. Well, we've struggled since um, as a football club. And I think, you know, it does give you a reality check. Um, but as I say, I think we'd hope to stabilise a lot more than what we've done. I think, I think the, the playing side of things has let us down this year, which then in turn, you know, if you're getting bad results on the pitch and it's not happening, um, you know, we nearly went a year without a home win. And yeah. that, that will, that will unfortunately mean that, you know, fans stop coming. Um, and that's, that's our battle now to try and bring those fans back. And I think for us, it's obviously the aim is to be a sustainable football club playing at the highest level. That That's always been the aim. But obviously, you know, we'd love to get back to the football league, but we just have to do things the right way. And if, you know, if, if the worst happens for us this season, I say the worst, but if, if we end up getting relegated, you know, I, st- I certainly do think we'll be a stronger club next year, um, even if we do go down. But there's so much competition in that league, as you know. Um, you know, nobody would take anything for granted. Um, in the National League North, it's all about sort of, as I say, doing the right thing, putting things right, and, be, and being a stronger unit. And you know, let let's sort of see what we can do. But hopefully, the lads all manage to pull some wins out of the bag and keep us up. But you know, there'll, there'll still be a challenge next season. Um, you know, we're playing budgets being probably one of the lowest in the in the National League. So it's 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 a fine balance. But everybody wants to stay up. 
but you know the finances have got to be sorted out first before we can think about anything else and those finances is that because there's a there's a debt there as well that that that's causing this issue no. with the cash flow or is it just no there's no there's no debt at the football club um the way the club was set up would ensure that there were no debts um you know we, we don't sort of take on loans or anything like that i think i think the problem being is that the the, the crowds that were budgeted for at the start of the season um you know we weren't seeing that kind of volume coming through the turnstiles um you know and a couple of other factors like we're playing budgets having to be um maintained as best as possible it just i think it's led to a few issues that way um but there's definitely no debt at the football club we we can only spend what we what we have coming in and that that's what i was referring to before about living sort of month you know month to month and existing um you know it's no secret for at our club that it, you know the club would spend roughly about 85 90,000 pounds a month so we have to have at least that amount coming in you know and I think the the issue at the moment with the the cash flow situation, um, once that's addressed, then we can look forward because you'll obviously be pulling season tickets for next year, and it's all about making it affordable for everybody. Um, I know, you know, we've been criticised in the past for the ticket prices. I think we've tried to keep it realistic, and it certainly needs to be for next season to to attract the fans that have you know have maybe not come last you know in this last twelve months. It's a case of trying to attract those back and making the actual match day experience, you know, much, much better. And I know from the time when we did play FC United, it was one of the best atmospheres I can remember. And, you know, we just we sort of hope that we can sort of rekindle that a little bit. Swampy? Yeah, yeah, I was just saying, that obviously, you know, um, we've had a couple of people on from Chester over the over the season. You know, Marcus Bignot, obviously, uh, as a manager now. Um, yeah. But we, we, we were talking to them with the, the long-term plan, and that plan being one to go perhaps to a full-time uh, side, obviously trying to compete in, in the National League. Is that something now that you're going to have to reconsider uh, looking at the budgets? And as you say, if uh, if the worst comes to the worst, even though you know there's a lot, a lot of uh, more local games for you next season in the National League North, um, has that all been taken into consideration uh, in regards to moving forward? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you have to look at every single. Um, you have to look at everything connected with the football club and see sort of which is the best way to take it forward. I mean, we in terms of going full time. I mean, the lads went from sort of two, you know, two maybe three training sessions in the week going to to four. So it's not sort of like full time in the in the in the football league or Premier League. It's it's a little bit different to that. Um, but I think maybe you know it sort of hindered maybe a few of the players in terms of their commitment because obviously some have you know, other roles to play elsewhere in their sort of lives, which meant they couldn't sort of commit to the extra training. Um, but also, you know, I, I do think that you can attract, I mean, we've seen before, we can attract some excellent part-time players, you know, to the yeah. football club. I think, you know, as I say, it, it's more of an ambition really to, to be up there, you know, as a full-time club, but you have to get the off-the-pitch stuff right before, you know, you can sort of look that far in advance. So, so to answer the question, yes, you know, it is sort of all being looked at, and you know, we just want to make sure we do the right thing going forward. I'm, I'm just finally from me. Just, to, have, have you had any, uh, any, any support, any, uh, any conversations with the FSF or Supporters Direct? I've not had any myself, and that's not to say we haven't, because we've got different people looking after different things. Um, you know, since we've come back onto the board. Um, but uh, you know, there are strong links between both of the organisations and, and Chester FC. Um, so if they haven't already, I'm sure there will be sort of dialogue um, between the two. I think we've just been sort of 
because it's been a, a, a situation that's developed very, very quickly. You know, we've had to sort of put a lot of efforts into to fundraising um, to make sure that we've actually got the, the football club to actually enjoy um, and then work on. Um, you know, which is why obviously there's a lot of fundraising events sort of taking out taking place um, you know in the next few weeks. And a big one next week, I believe. Yeah, a very big one. Um, it's one you know quite obviously non-league show is uh, is quite familiar. I think with the the story with with, with Colin Murray getting involved with the football club. Um, that was all born of um, a conversation you know back on on Radio Five in in 2010 when we were trying to put the club together. Um, Colin wanted to lend his support, so um, which he did. And then, uh, obviously, after the news came out the other week uh, about the finances, I uh, got on the phone to Colin, bugged him a little bit um, to see if, if you know if we could do something to, you know, to put an event on. So there was all kinds of ideas bandied around one Sunday morning, and then the next day we were already sort of talking about putting a, you know, an All Stars match on, which um, Colin has amazingly managed to get Michael Owen to. Uh, to play in as well so you know it's great for, for people like Michael who've got like a, a background at Chester certainly with his father as well um he used to play for us back in the 70s um so Collins put together a well putting together a, still a team of all-stars to take on a Chester side which is managed by Neil Young um and obviously Neil was instrumental in you know the three titles the successive titles in the early days and I think it's a chance for everybody to to come down to the ground and you know a lot of times you see sort of players go at the end of the season you don't get a chance to say thank you you know for their efforts and some of these players that are coming back are those type of players that people just love to see the you know a few years ago and hopefully we'll have a few surprises along the way as well so it's um it's a big event that we're hoping you know we'll bring in some more income and push us over the uh the fifty thousand pound mark and if people want to come along details yeah um so tickets at the moment um they're on sale until midnight on Friday um, before it's a case of, um, you know, calling the club um, to basically purchase tickets. But it is pay on the night as well. So there's every opportunity for people to come down, um, you know, and support it. And it's um, it's a very straightforward adults, £10, kids, £5. Um, I think it's half term in the area as well. So, you know, there's, uh, there's great potential. And I think we're just intent on making it an absolutely fantastic night um, with lots of fun, as I'm sure Colin will will provide, um, given the way he he is. But um, but yeah, tickets available at the moment um, on the via the Chester FC website, um, but also via the you know the ticket office as well. And if if people can't make that because it is a half turn, they might be away. There's going to be plenty of other opportunities for them to you know back. Chester, you know, get involved with yep. some of the sponsorship things. It's, it's plenty going on. Just ha- take a look at the website, I guess. Yeah, there's lots going on. There's also a link on the website as to, um, you know, if you want to make a donation to the football club, you know, and it, it literally is the football club. It's not going into any other pockets. Um, we're not like that at all. Um, but it's it's a great opportunity to help. You know, the football family, as I said, has come together fantastically. And we've seen some support from lots of different clubs up and down the country. Um, you know, you see a similar kind of thing going on at Hartlepool at the moment um you know and nobody likes to see clubs in this particular situation you know we've obviously been in a very worse situation you know eight years ago um and nobody wants to go through that again but yeah there's there's lots of opportunity to to help if and every sort of pound or penny is greatly appreciated well we wish you well with it jeff it, it, it's it's actually quite nice to have you back involved really it, it... <laughs> thank you um i'm sure we'll be speaking to you before the end of the season you know and hopefully this 
oh, well, this this game should help with the cash flow and and, and things will get back on an even kill. But uh, uh, best of luck and speak to you soon. Thank you. Swampy, I, I did once read when Jeff first stepped down from the board at, at Chester that he, he was the nicest bloke in non-league. Um, and you'd struggle to find someone to, to challenge that, wouldn't you? Because he's just so calm. Yeah, well, uh, you know, he's... Uh... He, 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 as a supporter, has been the, through the trials and tribulations of football club, you know, fighting against odors for many, many years, and then uh, the club being, you know, uh, uh, taking out the football league, semi-pro football, Phoenix club, supporter ownership. Uh, you know, if you go through all that, and you've got a young family in, in tow as well, yeah, he's, he's, he's a he's a cool, calm cookie, and uh, it'll need a cool, calm head to uh, to make sure that the club is back uh, floating in the right way again. Uh, but it's it's amazing how much it costs just to keep a football club uh, afloat, and it's interesting to note also that the fact that uh, with four days a week training, not fully professional yet, um, they were looking to extend contracts, weren't they, as well from 42 weeks, I think, to to uh, to 50 weeks or so, and so mm-hmm. forth as a club. But they're going to have to reassess a lot of things at the club, and and, and personally, I, I don't want them necessarily to go down. It would be unfair to say that, but uh, I think if they can consolidate for a season in. Uh, National League North, although it is a very, very tough division, you know, uh, when you consider a team that we played last week, uh, we're 19th in the division and full-time. Um, and there's eight other clubs, I think, in total in the division that are full-time. Non-league football is is certainly not as non-league or semi-professional as it once used to be. So they're going to have to uh, work very hard. And they are very much in a precarious position at the moment. Uh, and uh, Marcus Big not together with all those other managers that came in at a similar time this this season are all down there fighting for their lives. So uh, we'll have to see. But uh, I think Chester should be okay. The Collibury thing's going to be, uh, uh, you know, putting injection of cash and um, you know live live within the means uh, going forward. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, so on to another big name in non-league. Indeed, English football facing financial disaster and seeing fans rallying around frantically trying to save their club. It's been another busy week for Hartlepool United off the field. HMRC reportedly issued a winding-up order for the club over an unpaid tax bill of £48,000 with a hearing to be heard on the 21st of March. Then the club issued a statement to say that they were yet to receive that officially and there were also police investigations that were in, in relation to financial irregularities but they were as a result of a request by the club themselves the statement also then said that the tax bill was being settled by a fans just giving fundraising uh, efforts and true enough Paul's fan Rachel Cartwright confirmed Wednesday uh, late evening uh, early Thursday morning that the bill had been paid from the donations for her page uh, raised by fans and, and, uh, and fans of non-league throughout. So some good news this week, and the club have now literally just uh, confirmed that that tax bill has been paid and that the winding-up order is to be uh, uh, stopped. So potentially, it sounds like everything's going in the right direction for Hartlepool United, but one man more in the know is Nick Knopflin, uh, sports editor at the Northern Echo, and he joins me on the line. Good evening, uh, Nick. Good evening. Just a normal 24 hours in the history of our 
the basket case for this article United, eh? Well, I, I, you know, it was difficult to try and summarise it. I don't even know if it made sense because it didn't make sense in my head. But, you know, it's... It, 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 you know, if the, if we could sell the rights to Hollywood, it would probably make a great story. If there's a good ending at the end, but but you know, you've been down the club today and doing various bits and pieces. What's the mood like down there? Um, the mood down there, I've, you know, over the last few weeks, months, it's sort of just slowly eroded, bit by bit, brick by brick. Things have been falling apart. You know, everyone's just sort of been utterly demoralised really you know there's no atmosphere around the ground in the camp it, you know it's always been a a very compact tight knit club you know it's it's not a club of the big it's never been a club of the biggest staff the biggest uh, operation at Victoria Park but it's been a happy camp it's been a you know a bright bubbly place and it's sort of over the last 12 months it's just took a real real downturn in fortunes on the pitch fortunes most certainly off the field now and it's just Everything's just coming to a, a nasty head, and the the whole situation for me, you know, as a someone who's covered the club for the for the Northern Echo since 1996, and you know, my first game at the Vic was watching pools on Boxing Day in 1979. Um, you know, it's it's been it's part of the fabric of the North East. It's part of the it's an institution in the town. You know, the town hasn't got a great deal without a football club, to be honest. And sad as it pains me to say, I really don't see a, a positive way out of this at the moment. And you know, you, you, you say that the, you know, the the mood's not great. I, I've sensed that by looking at, at some of the, uh, the the forums, even today. You know, Rachel Cartwright, just a, just a normal fan. She's got off a, uh, you know, got onto a keyboard. She's out this just giving page. I think they've raised sixty, seventy thousand pounds. She was aimed, looking to try and raise the two hundred thousand, which was the original figure that was given. But she she's raised this money. She's then got the details of the club and, and paid this tax bill. And then she's being attacked on some of the forums as well because, you know, people saying, well, they shouldn't have paid the tax bill. You know, maybe maybe there's a lack of strategy maybe all around, which has probably put the club in this position. But, you know, you've got to feel sorry for someone like her that, you know, to raise that sort of money already. But it's a bit like, you know, when there's tensions at maybe a family Christmas or something, suddenly everything sort of needles everybody else, doesn't it? And it's almost ready yeah. to explode. It is. And, you know, unfortunately, the, the support at uh, Pools for a long time now, it's been it's been quite fractured, um, and it's certainly over the last few weeks and months sort of came to a head. Um, it's very disappointing that everyone should be pulling in the same direction, but unfortunately, there's too many too many people out there with their own strong opinions, egos, attitudes, and it's very difficult to see everyone coming together now. You know, I think um, battle lines have been drawn, if you like, among supporters, and there's a lot of a lot of infighting, you know, between supporters, you know, at games and opinions are different. And unfortunately, in these days, of, you know, in the days today of social media and what goes on there, there's an awful lot of backbiting, an awful lot of, you know, attitude and bile which has come across on there. Um, I've been on plenty of the receiving end of it myself, you know, as a professional, as a journalist. People don't agree, you know, they certainly let you know. And it's it's very sad some of the abuse and some of the flack and stick that people are getting. And you know you mentioned there Rachel Cartwright, well absolutely unbelievable. You know to raise, okay she hasn't raised it herself, but you know to to draw that together to put the page up in the first place, the, to come up with that idea, fantastic. Um, certainly gone better than I expected to raise that much. You know football fans from not just Hartlepool, not just Lap supporters from Hartlepool, we're talking, you know across the globe really. You know non-league supporters from across the globe. You know various. You know, uh, pulled last away game. Um, 
Ebbsfleet two weeks ago. You know, there was three hundred and seventy odd pounds raised in the bucket collection for them, and you know, the whole football community pulls together. It really does, and it's, it's heartwarming to see that. But it's on the other hand, it's very, very disappointing when you see, you know, like you say, you know, Rachel is you put a head above the parapet, and once you do that, you know, you're liable to people want to snipe at you and shoot you down. And for all the good intentions, you know, there's a lot of people who think that by paying this tax bill, which she's done um, overnight, you know, she got the customs bank details from the club, paid the near £48,000 overnight from that bank account. And she's getting a bit of stick for it, which is very, very disappointing. Now the big thing is there's still, what, 48000 has gone, you know, there's still, she raised eighty six, so there's still, you know, best part of 40000 there floating around. Now the big question is, what does she do with that? Yeah, and and you you mentioned you know that lots of different camps and you know people blaming one another, this person, that person. Yeah, you know, the club's been very quiet, and you know, having been a press officer myself for for many many years, I I can understand their position as well because whatever you in this situation, whatever you're going to say is going to be wrong. Um, but you know they seem to be focusing on on the potential white knights uh, running along in a on a on a steed to rescue them i mean are there many of those uh, sort of hobbling up and down the a179 nowadays might be one on the a19 but not the a179 at the moment <laughs> um, to be honest uh i think it's a forlorn hope now um for me two weeks ago there was a the white knight appeared in the form of chris musgrave um a hartlepool businessman a very successful hartlepool businessman who was approached through a third party, see if he could help save his hometown club. Not a massive Pills fan by any means, not a massive football fan by any stretch of the imagination, but appreciate what the club means to the town and the area and how much you know money it brings in, the profile, the camaraderie. You know, a lot of Christmas Day friends, the season ticket holders at the Vic, they know what it means. They're close to him. He was told it's a it's a good thing. He sounded he was sounded out, he was in talks with the council. Uh, a deal was in place, and then when it came to the, the crunch, when he saw the, the state of the club's finances, you know the, the pure mess that the accounts were in, he stepped, you know, stepped away in an instant because he felt, he, you know, on the record he said he could have put 1.5 million pound in in an instant overnight, and that 1.5 million pound would have been the equivalent of putting his finger in the dam. You know, there was no way of discovering where that 1.5 million was needed, where it would go any structure behind the scenes, the accounts weren't in full and weren't complete and weren't ready at the time for him to complete any sort of due diligence, which when a football club's been up for sale already for a month, you know, surely that should be the first thing of every penny, every every ledger in order and ready for someone to come in, pick up, look at, say, yeah or nay. Um, by the time he did look at the fracture, you know, what was left, what the accounts were there for him to see, wouldn't touch it with a barge ball. And here we are, you know, that was... That was a month after the club was put up for sale. He was approached out with pretty much desperate, you know, desperation, but he was someone who, you know, oh, would Christmas be of interest? Yeah, we'll try it. And it was like that, really was. Um, and since he walked away, with two, two and a half weeks further down the line now, and how many of the interested parties have come forward officially? Um, yes, you hear rumours of a possible consortium being put together with, uh, with Jeff Stelling being involved, to be honest, you know, um, Jeff has tried to speak to different parties, different businessmen, and different people in the northeast and in the area, try and pull them together. Um, nothing concrete has yet to come of that, although there's still a lot of talk and chatter behind the scenes. And if, if if a football club has been up for sale for six, seven, eight weeks now, and there's been one interested party, and that was pretty much out of 
like I say, maybe desperation, and there's no one else. I really fear that there isn't anyone out there. Yeah, and you you got to think, you know, that you clubs, every club really, we're all massive fans, but every club actually needs a businessman to run them because they're such massive entities nowadays. So many different revenue streams you need to look at, but also so many different you know drains on finances that you know money going out left right and center i know that from from my own club but yeah. if anyone is going to come in as a businessman and they can see that you know that the fans have had to donate money to pay a tax bill that's only you know there may well be other tax bills that we don't know about i, I can't really see too many people coming in before the club has to accept that the administration is, is going to be the way forward yeah, I mean, administration is an option, and you know the chairman Pam, the chair Pam Duxbury, uh, you know she said a finger on the button at any time. The president to call the administrators in. It's it's that severe, and the club is living from hand to mouth. Um, you know, there's there's a, a whole host of various local suppliers, companies, businesses who are owed money, who are backdated owed money, which hasn't you know they've, they've submitted the bills, submitted the invoices, and the payment hasn't been forthcoming. You know, the, the examples you like the one which. Brought things to head was um, the start of January. Pools were away to Dagenham. Uh, before the game, they're warming up in various different assorted number of training tops. Um, they're wearing the away strip um, and the home strip. Thankfully, they, they couldn't. They didn't wear the. It wasn't a home game. It was a waste so they wore the away strip, which they still had. But the training kit, the clear towels, and the home strip was being held to ransom by a local laundress who had been paid for so long, who who had submitted an invoice or two. Couldn't be paid, and so he, you know, not out of spite, out of necessity, he held onto the strips, kept hold of them, and refused to release them until he has been paid. And that's the level, you know, that's the level the club's at at the moment, unfortunately. And it's, you don't like to say it, but it's Sunday League stuff. Yeah. You know, it really is at that level. Um, what for for uh, people that aren't fans of the club? But what what is the situation yeah. with ownership of the stadium and, and other assets of the club? Is there an asset that that? You know that maybe fans could hold on to. Yeah, I mean, dare I say the one positive is the the ground itself. Victoria Park is council owned, and the club pays rent to the council for it. There's been talks over the years from different owners to buy the ground. Um, so you know, if the worst comes to worst, there is still a football ground in Hartlepool, a good football stadium in Hartlepool for the for the team to play at whatever level that may end up being. And you know, if they have to drop three divisions and start again, well, so be it. You know, you can probably possibly gain a bit of momentum by coming up um, rather than being in free fall because, you know, for the last few years, this team's been struggling against relegation. You know, OK, relegate from the Football League on the last day, the last minute of the last day of last season. Um, but, you know, two the two previous seasons, you know, two previous seasons before then, they were the club on by the fingernails. It went down right the wire. So, relegation's been a long time in coming, really. Um the club had been under very stable ownership for 20 years or so. IOR, an Aberdeen-based oil company, gave the club the best years in its history. You know, it was playoffs, it was promotion, it was the playoff final against Sheffield Wednesday at Millennium Stadium in Cardiff when, you know, half of Hartlepool went along, went down there to watch it. And they were happy days, they really were heady times. Um, but over the last few years, you know, the money had dried up and the club was just ticking over, really, rather than push, looking to push on. And then... IOR had to sell up. You know, they 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 were looking for a way out, and they sold. Ultimately, it's been proved to the wrong people. 
who who would be the right people in football though i mean we we see it we've seen so many clubs already in the national league that are in a similar position clubs clubs lower clubs even higher you know where where does a football club really make a profit nowadays but, but you mentioned you know potential uh, you know, maybe the club could re- regroup if it if it did get uh, demoted, things like that. The, the the problem is on the field at the moment. I mean, how can Craig Harrison do do anything? He, he's he's under an embargo. He's he, he he can't even sort of extend loans for for players that he's already got. So, you know, as a as a club, as a team to be to be watching as a fan, yeah. What's the football like at the moment? Uh Waffle, <laughs> desperate. I mean, the whole the whole club was set up in uh, set up probably long for it. This season, the aim, the clear aim, the stated aim was to get back in the football league. At the first attempt, Pools wanted to be Bristol Rovers or Cheltenham, who in recent years have been relegated and didn't mess about getting back out. Uh, there was a whole sort of revamp, rebranding of the club, if you like, and there's some new badge, new strip. The ground was renamed, new manager. New players, new team. You know, everything was new and fresh to try and spruce things up. And there was a feel-good factor at the start of the season, but it was six games before they won a game. You know, it took them time to adapt. And then they picked up, went on a 12-13 game unbeaten run, which was... The outcomes probably flattered them a little bit. You know, they weren't playing great, but they were grinding out and digging out results. You felt that, yeah, this could go somewhere, this. You know, there's a bit of potential here. It looked good. But since the, um, since the financial troubles kicked in, sort of November time... Um, while the players have been, you know, playing, playing on the minds whether they be paid or not, results performances have been woeful, been poor, and it's, um, you know, 14, 15 games without a win at the moment. They've been leading in games, you know, they've been able to get in front, but they don't have the mentality to to dig in, to grind things out, and see see victories out with, in games which they should have won. Unfortunately. And I guess with with those loans not extendable, not able to bring other people in as well, you, you're going to have to revert yeah, to it. the to the youngsters, and 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 which which can you know it can it, it can make can make a player or or in in difficult cir- yeah <laughs> in difficult circumstances, yeah. you know. It, it 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 is bleak as you said, isn't it? I, I'm trying to find the positives from it, and you know maybe the fact that the non-league. <laughs> well, the, uh, you know, would, would you have got maybe the same rallying around you from other clubs if you were still in the football league? Would it have been a, a big, a more difficult position if you were still in the football league? Do you think? Uh, I think Pulis would be in exactly the same position if they were still in the football league. There'd be a very poor League Two club, um, at the you know, roots uh, cast adrift at the foot of the table. And they'll be out of money again because, you know, what's gone on in the last two years and, you know, the, the state of the club's finances hasn't happened overnight. You know, whatever division they're in at the moment, they would still have the same financial issues. Um, players who've been signed and recruited haven't been good enough. You know, that's proved. You know, this is... If last season was the worst football team Hartley United have ever put out on the pitch because they're relegated from the Football League, well, you know, the current team has just uh, won that title away from from that one because this is the worst team I've seen watching Hartlepool United um, it's there's no characters there's no leaders and okay you know the squad is hit by injuries and you know speaking to Craig Harrison um, just yesterday at his press conference before Saturday's game of Barrow he's down to 12 fit outfield players for the game he's lost players through injury but he's also lost a few players because the contacts were up the loans were up and they were unable to extend them you know, we saw Nicky Devedix leave for Wrexham on deadline day for £10,000. And he said if any, there was half a dozen other players who were interested in other clubs, if any team had put any sort of money up, then 
pills had to sell. Simple as that. It was a fire sale. But nobody nobody coughed up, so they kept the players. Um, and now, you know, he's, he's looking at a scratch team to field on Saturday in a game which, you know, Barrow will be going into that game Saturday looking at pools thinking, hey, we can catch these, we can drag these right into the mix. And if pools do go into administration and a 10-point deduction, you might as well relegate them now because they won't get up the bottom four if that's the case. But as long as they're out of administration, maybe they do have a, a slight chance of keeping their heads above water. But at the moment, and as proved in recent weeks, months and games, they are just not good enough. So taking your journalist hat off, putting that fan's hat back on and, and a sensible fan's hat on, ideally, if you close your eyes and reopened them, what would what would you want to be happening now? You know, a big paycheck coming in, a big big businessman. What what needs to be done yeah. from from a from a proper fan's point of view? I mean, Utopia was two three weeks ago when Chris Musgrave, the horrible businessman, was going to buy the club. That was everything. You know, that was the club was saved. You know, everything was great then. You know, we're not great, long phrase, but everything was. You know, there's a positive outlook on things. Um, he had plans to develop things and invest in the club and it looked good and that's the extent of need. You, know, you need that sugar daddy really you know there's talk of the the supporters trust are in the background and they're trying to raise funds to protect safeguard the club if worst case scenario happens and it goes under um, just so there is some sort of level of football still in the town ok it wouldn't be the heart of United we, we know and love today we're the professional club which has been on the go since 1908 but there would still be a football club of sorts in Hartlepool playing at Victoria Park. And it'd be run by the supporters trust, so it'd be a, a limited effort, if you like, what could be, you know, what could be dragged together. But there still will be a club. Still be a team to support on a Saturday. Um, but on the other hand, is that the same as, you know, it's hard it's a hard pill to swallow to watch a team like that when you've watched a team like the club has been over over the years. You know, we thought the the Cinderella image of the club, the the bad reputation that had had gone. You know, Iowa made sure in twenty odd years that the bills were paid on time, wages were paid on time, everyone was happy. But in those the three years since they sold out, everything has just unraveled drastically and this is, you know, in a hundred you know, in hundred and ten years of history, this is the worst situation the club has ever been in. Well, I don't, don't want to put off any potential buyers, but who wanna buy a football club <laughs> nowadays, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, especially one which loses one point eight million a year, apparently. Well, yeah, that's uh, that's much deeper pockets than I've ever had. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> really appreciate your time, Nick, for for your honesty and uh, your, your knowledge and your know-how. And no you know, the, the whole of non-league is, is is behind the club, and and hoping that that you'll get out of this hole. But it, it's, I guess it's it, it's how you climb out of the hole, isn't it? That's 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 the key to do it the right way. Um, and uh, we'll be uh, we'll keep trying to keep abreast of all the situations, but hopefully we'll be in contact with you again, Nick, with some better news, but hopefully before the end of the season. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. But yeah, no problem anytime. So to some happier news, and in a northern bias week, uh, a most northerly story of the season so far, this weekend sees the fifth round of the Scottish FA Cup, a competition first held in 1873, making it the second oldest competition in the world. This season, in the final 16, one club drawn at home are Highland League part-time the Cove Rangers, who host Scottish Championship Football League opposition in the form of Falkirk. Cue the David and Goliath stories often associated with the English FA Cup at the third round stage, but with the place of the quarterfinals at stake here, this is proper Roy the Rovers' potential. To tell us more, Cove Rangers' John Sheeran, the manager, joins us on the line. Good evening, John. Good evening. How are you? 
Well, I'm good. Um, I, I guess the biggest question is, is are you going to beat the weather for this game on Saturday? Well, we are pulling out all the stops to try and beat the weather. The, uh, the pitch is going to get completely covered with uh, covers tomorrow to try and prevent the frost being an issue on Friday night. Um, so we're, we've got our fingers crossed we're going to beat the weather. Uh, and so for, for those that don't know, I mean, Cove is really a, a suburb of Aberdeen. Is that fair? Um, yeah, it, it's a, it, it was a small village on the edge of Aberdeen. It's now been kind of merged into Aberdeen. It's, uh, it's grown over the years. So we uh, small club, small village, and we're trying to aspire to get into the Scottish League as our aim. Yeah, and, and, and what's your average attendance at the moment? Well, about 250. Yeah. And and the, this is the furthest that the club's ever been in a, in a national trophy. So I, I guess the the whole town is sort of uh, you know, buzzing a little bit with it, with this uh, size of game. We are all buzzing, but uh, the, the other bit of this is that over the last three three years we've been playing away from home because we we don't have a home ground. We're in the process of building a new ground, which will be finished in April. Um, so we've played for the last three seasons away from home, and that, that, um, that and was going to be one of my questions. How 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 is that? Bit trying to, I'm involved with the, with the club, and we played away what for six, seven seasons. Trying to build yep. a team, it's tough, isn't it, when you haven't got your own home ground? It, it is tough. We're, we're reasonably fortunate in that our home base is Aberdeen, so we, we we get a lot of players out of that area there. But we've had to play games in about seven or eight different grounds over all over the Highlands. Uh, Sometimes down in the Angus area, the Forfar and Montrose. So we've we've moved around a lot uh, over the last two years, and the players have done absolutely fantastically well to cope with that that fact. And and uh, I guess all the all the players are, are part time. Does that uh, Im- impact on on the you know time and and what you can do with the players as well to sort of develop them? Yeah, the players are all part-time you know, and they all have jobs during the day. So we, we've got the mixture of joiners, plumbers, oil workers, guys who work offshore sometimes. So we've got a complete range of people. Um, but they're all hugely dedicated to their football and um, we, we we like to think we can we can match some of the full-time teams as well. And that's what games like this are all about, isn't it? Undoubtedly. Um, I think when the draw was first made, we were all a little disappointed we didn't get uh, one of the big teams from the Premier League. But uh, we're going to have probably two to two and a half thousand of a crowd on Saturday. Um, so it's going to be a really big day for the club. Uh, Swampy, I think you've got a question. Yeah, John. Uh, well, first and foremost, congratulations to getting this far in the competition. Um, Thank you. My, my question is just in relation to the players, do you have any support or uh, is there any link up between Aberdeen uh, in, in themselves and yourselves where you could maybe utilise uh, youth players and uh, and the like or are you pretty much a, a traditional semi-pro club? We're a traditional semi-pro club. We um, we don't have any players on loan from Aberdeen. We, we would like sometimes to get players on loan from them but it, it's not always possible and they, they probably are looking to loan players out to maybe the Championship level or Division 1 in Scotland. They maybe view the Highland League as being maybe a bit too far down the food chain. but uh, So we, we've, we've got a number of players that have played for Aberdeen or been Aberdeen in the past. And, and so we, we've got a, a good mixture of experience, and uh, but we, we get nothing from the, the senior clubs in terms of loan players. Right, right, OK. And, I mean, you, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, them considering maybe you, you too far down the, the, the food change. But, but at, at least now, 
um, there is this a, a, a pyramid for the Highland League now, isn't there? You yep. know, like like we've yes. got in, in I think it was twenty fourteen fifteen where that comes in. So the the winners of the Highland League play the winners of the Lowland League, and then you the the winners of that then play whoever's finished bottom of the Division Two. Is that correct for for that, a that's, chance? To... That's correct. Yes, and, that's correct. Yeah, and you said that you've got aspirations to. to to, to go up is, is is that really the focus this season because you're top of the table you're five points clear two games in hand is, is that the big carrot to try and get into that play win the championship in the Highland League and, and get into that playoff this season yeah 100% we we kind of that was our target at the start of the season we, we won the league two years ago and got into the playoffs and, and really didn't do as well as we'd hoped um, last year we lost the league on goal difference um, this year we, we're hoping to win it and get into the playoffs but We've strengthened the squad and the team this year in the hope that we can make it into the Scottish League. Yeah, and I mean, uh, for earlier on in the show, we, we've spoken to, to, to clubs at, at Chester uh, FC and uh, Hartlepool United, and two two clubs in the in the National League, uh, which is the, the highest level and non-league in, in the English period, who are struggling financially. So, you know, you, you say they've got this this new ground, the Balmoral Stadium. I've seen the brochure; it looks lovely, which will have various facilities, academy, and everything like that. So. Will that give you the the structure off the field to be able to to move into the the the, the football league w- without too much too many problems? Are, are you set up to go on and off the field to to move up into that next level? Yeah, I think we, we are set up to go into that. It, 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 uh, when you go into Division Two, all the teams in Division Two and a lot of them in Division One are still part time in Scotland, so so you can transition into that without too much problem. Um, you end up getting slightly more income from the FA when you when you move into that league as well. So we, we feel we're, we're funded properly. We'll certainly have the ground and um, the structure to, to move into that league. Uh, wh- where you move from there is is really down to can, can we progress up? Yet? And we hope we can eventually get to that stage where we can get up into the higher divisions. But um, Aberdeen, as a city, could cope with with two teams. Um, but so we hope to to be that second uh, Scottish League side in, in Aberdeen. And I, and I suppose from a travelling perspective, we we, we had the uh, Morpeth uh, Town uh, FC chairman on uh, two weeks ago, uh, 41 miles from the Lowlands of Scotland, and uh, uh, they're currently 15 points uh, clear in their division, and uh, uh, it, it looks like maybe around 60,000 miles a year travelling if they get promoted. What's the situation for you guys like? Uh, is it is it something similar, or are you uh, are you are, are most most of the games that you'd be playing more local. No, we, we uh, our furthest away game is Wick, which takes us uh, nearly six hours to get there. Yeah, um, we uh, Bro- Bro- is four hours. Uh, Fort William is three and a half to four hours. So we we do a lot of travelling, um, which is compounded worse you know, the fact we've got to play away from home, which sometimes our home ground is sort of twenty miles from Aberdeen, but times we've got to play say at Keith or Huntley, which is forty and fifty miles away. So we do a lot of travelling every year and. Um, if I look at uh, our, our programme in the next two months, we, we've got to play something like 20 games uh, and be finished by the 14th of April. Um, so if you go and work out Wednesdays and Saturdays, there's nothing many left <laughs> um, to fit all of that in before the 14th of April. So we're going to be very busy in the next few weeks. And they still call you part-time, yeah? Yes, we uh, <laughs> we, we classes as part-time. Two years ago, we played uh, 18 games in nine weeks at the start of the season then. Uh, Celtic were complaining about playing 12 and some other <laughs> <time>. <laughs> and our guys are working all day. Um, so you, well. so you'd, be hope, you'd be hoping that for no replays this weekend then? <laughs> we definitely don't want a replay, so if, if, it, if, it, if, it's, if it's a draw with five minutes to go, we'll be playing five up front. 
Well, I was I was going to mention, you know, the the, the climate can't be. Uh, it's probably uh, not even as kind as Manchester, where where, where Swampy is. So, uh, do you suffer from many postponements as well? This year, we we've had a, a quite a number. Main issue being frost this year, not so much the the wet or anything. It's just been frost has been the biggest issue since beginning of December. Um, whereas last year we we were pretty lucky; we'd hardly any games off. So it, it just depends. Um, how how it kind of falls, but we also when you do well within the kind of the national competitions, it affects your league program as well because you're going to play on Saturdays when you're meant to have a league game. So like we were due to play a league cup tie on Saturday, but that's had to be cancelled because we're in the Scottish Cup. So these all pile up on top of the the cancelled games as well. And you have to juggle that with work and everything and talking to us on the radio. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's not easy being a football manager nowadays, is it? It's great fun, though. Um, <laughs> yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> yeah, I think, we, you know, when, when for us at this stage now in these competitions, it's like bonus games because uh, you don't expect to get as far. And when you do, you look forward to the games. And, and for our players, it's uh, a big test for them to go and challenge themselves against a, a championship side, which is full-time, training every day and working every day. So we um, they're all looking forward to it. And you can see the buzz at training. It means a lot to them. And with those changes that, that came in a few years back on, uh, you know, with the pyramid scheme like, like we have in, in, in England, has that changed the way that uh, some of the, the bigger clubs look at uh, Highland League football? You know, are there more scouts maybe looking at the at the players and, and is it is it better respected now, do you think? Well, I think it should be better respected because we had we had uh, four, four Highland League teams in the last 32 uh, of the Scottish Cup, so I think they should be respecting it. But I think the biggest issue sometimes is where the players live. Um, the, the, for them to maybe go full-time with a team in the central bid where they might only be getting £250 a week, they can probably make more money working and, and playing part-time football and still be with a family in, in the north somewhere. So I think that is the biggest issue. There's just the lack of money in Scottish football in general is, is the issue with players getting a chance to go full-time. Hmm. Well, I really appreciate your time, John. It's been great talking to you and uh, wish you the, the best of luck on, on Saturday. Uh, I, I, you know, I'll be definitely looking out out for your result. Uh, hopefully, you're, you're, there's an unofficial Twitter account that I've already, I've already logged into, so uh, I'll, be, uh, I'll be watching uh, uh, your score coming through, hopefully, on Saturday, or hopefully if you get the game on. Uh, but looking out for how you progress for the rest of the season. But really appreciate your time and uh, wish you well. No problem. Thank you very much. Swampy, that's all we've got time for again. We need, we, well, we, we, we either need, either need not to have a social life, what social life, um, or, or we need to have a longer show. But uh, we've probably bored people senseless. But we, we have, both, but... but we've, we've been around. We've, we've had doom and gloom. We've been, you know, as, as far north as we've been all season. And, uh, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll... yeah, we don't we, we don't do enough of uh, the the Highlands League in Scotland, do we? Really, but uh, it's uh, it's the division that is uh, is getting a little bit of notice, and uh, this should be a good weekend for for Cove. It's interesting because obviously there uh, you've got Cove uh, just outside Aberdeen uh, that play the Highlands League. Well, there's a place in uh, Scotland, in the Lowlands of Scotland, near Dunbar, called Cove as well. Uh, so uh, uh, I'm not sure if they've got a football team but if they did you could have maybe them meeting each other in the final and Cove would win the final it would be the Coveted title wouldn't it no. uh, it, oh very good yes I think it's time to go with 
<laughs> well, thanks again, Swampy. Very welcome. Take care of yourself. Uh, thanks Hopefully for all our guests and uh, for everybody for listening. Don't forget you can find us throughout the season on Audio Boom, iTunes, Stitcher, Deezer, TuneIn Radio, and you can put the podcast on your own website uh, with the embeddable player at www.nonleaguefootballshow.com. Thank you and goodbye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.